And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, so pain's a real thing. A lot of us have gone through it, whether it's minor or it's big, or there's a whole lot of different varieties of it. And pain pills have created a whole lot of problems for a whole lot of people. That's a whole nother topic that I'm not going to get into. Well, we might get into a little bit today, but it's not probably my favorite topic because a lot of people are in pain because of the pain pills they take. So we're going to talk a little bit about creating a pain pill pain relief. I've got an expert and CEO and startup founder with me today to talk about that. Before I introduce him, today's episode Startup Hustles powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today, I have Jordan Schindler and Jordan is the CEO and founder of New Fabrics. You can learn more about them when you scroll down to the show notes right there by that fullscale.io link, there is a new fabrics link. That is N-U-F-A. Ah, you know what? Just scroll down. It's a lot easier to just click it than it is to type it into the browser. Straight out of Charlotte, North Carolina, Jordan, welcome to Startup Hustle. Matt, pleasure to be here. It should be a fun conversation. Yeah, man. Well, let's get that started with a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, let's do it. So I'll take you back to college in Seattle at University of Washington, and like a lot of college-age males, suffered from bad skin and learned about the link between your pillowcase and bad skin. And so as you sleep, dirt and oil builds up, clogging your pores, and ultimately went to the dermatologist and was recommended to wash my pillowcase two to three times a week, which, as you can imagine, as a college-age male, was never going to happen. And that's what got me thinking about how do you create a benefit from a garment or fabric, something that contacts your skin all day, every day? Why can't you use clothing as a platform for delivery of medicine? And so that's where the foundation for new fabrics came from. Ultimately, we put medicine into clothing. Interesting. That's uh, I, I, I got to say of, of the hundreds and hundreds of episodes that I've recorded of this show, it's uh, that's a new one. Now, that's obviously a pretty big undertaking. Where do you get started with all that? Yeah, definitely more undertaking than I had certainly thought uh, when I <laughs> it usually <laughs> is. It usually <laughs> is. <laughs> took it 10 years ago. Uh, so first things first, I mean, we just looked at what technology existed on the market. So I actually took out a trip out to Guangzhou in China, where a lot of textile products were produced. And ultimately could never find a technology that could deliver a controlled dose of medicine through wash cycles. And so we really spent a couple of years trying to see what existed on the market and then truly took a step back and said, hey, there's an opportunity here to create our own technology. And so what we've created is our, a technology that allows us to deliver a controlled dose of medicine, so vitamins, supplements, medications through your clothing. And that's effective through numerous wash cycles. 
So as you alluded to, it might be a pain reliever, a topical analgesic in a sock, a t-shirt, a back brace, but it might also be melatonin in a pillowcase to help you fall asleep at night or antifungal for an athlete's foot sock. And ultimately what we're solving for is patient compliance. We're, we're all busy, forget to take pills or use creams or patches. It's sticky, it's messy, it's gooey, but we all get dressed, right? Clothing contacts our skin all day, every day. It's the perfect platform for simplifying health and wellness outcomes. And that's this healthware category that we've pioneered. So you guys have the, the restricted trademark on healthware for all one word. Um, now, you know, so, man, this seems like, you know, Jordan, this feels like really, it, it, I get the idea of administering meds through fabric, but, you know, the, I, I'm not going to pretend to be Bill Nye, the science guy here. Right. But I do know that a lot of, I, I know what a half-life is. And, there you and go. There so, you yeah, that's, I'm just going to, that's about as far as I'm going to delve into this, but you know, I know that a lot of different medicines, drugs, whatever it is, have these different half-lives and some of them are water soluble and some aren't. And like, I mean, God, this seems like, this seems like one of those things where you're like, Oh sure. We could probably administer it. And like you mentioned 10 years ago, it was a much bigger undertaking. I mean, did you go ahead? Did you just get, do you start with like one thing? Do you start with like the simplest thing? Like you mentioned melatonin, like I give it to my kids. So they're not hyper at 11 PM <laughs> when I'm still trying to get them to go to bed. I have a hard enough time administering that in like something that tastes like candy, but like, what's the, what's the, what's the starting point with this and how do you even go about like testing it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. And we look at what is the low hanging fruit, right? Where is patient compliance super low? It's things like acne, eczema, psoriasis, athlete's foot, where you have to take something, reapply it multiple times a day. It's sticky. It's messy. right? And, and ultimately, where we start is what's the lowest hanging fruit? Things that are inherently safe, where patient compliance is, is very low. And so we actually started with uh, a pillowcase application. So to solve my personal need, why can't you put a tea tree oil or lavender in, in a pillowcase? Um, and then we went from there to, to pain relief. Everyone suffers from pain. Why can't you put pain meds in a sock? And, and that's really been our biggest entry into the marketplace and started at Walmart. I mean, Walmart was literally our first commercial customer nationwide. And so it's been an interesting evolution. But it, as you alluded to, right, it's, it's hard to put medicine with all the complexities there of consistent release, safety, consumer acceptance, but then you have to marry that with all the textile side. It has to be comfortable. It has to stretch. It has to wick away moisture. It has to be machine washable. And this intersection has taken a lot of time and we've really had to rethink this entire supply chain to actually manufacture healthware products. So, yeah, I've seen things like, and I don't know if this is within what you do, like I've got, uh, all right. So as I've gotten old, I've learned that Okay, I hurt myself getting out of bed earlier <laughs> yes. this year. You know, welcome to aging. And um, I've tried some different things because I've had like little joint. Uh, so I'm a big guy, right? I'm I'm 6'4", I weigh 250 pounds. And over time, that puts a lot of stress stress and pressure on your joints and your body. And I've tried like, like I, I had elbow tendonitis a few years ago. I got like an arm sleeve that had copper in it. Yeah. Of all weird things. And it actually worked. It helped. And I mean, it, so is, is that like, is that different than, than what you guys are doing? Because that's just like a material and certain things like, I don't know. 
it definitely helped. It was weird. Yeah, and compression certainly helps, right, in terms of creating the circulation. But so think about that copper. Well, well the regular compression ones didn't fix it because I had tried that and someone actually suggested like the copper. It was like had like a, I don't know, dude, it was like infused in the actual material. There's something about the cop, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just better compression. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, th- so think about that, right, as like an outward facing benefit where there's an antimicrobial, there's a circulation component but you don't actually want a dose of copper delivered to the body, right? It would be toxic yeah. the same as way yeah. you ate a penny, right? In, in, in our case, think about this as a delivery system. So ultimately, I can tell you exactly how many milligrams are delivered every hour as you're wearing the garment and deliver the same dose as Icy Hot or BioFreeze or whatever topical product it is. And that's really what sets us apart is we are a more convenient way to get medicine versus let's say a topical additive to an, an apparel garment. And, and that's really where we play, right? It's this intersection between a Nike sock with Icy Hot, a Lululemon garment with Olay moisturizer, and we are that delivery vehicle. And that's where we spend a lot of our time, right? And someone like a big apparel company is looking for differentiation. They'd love to sell into a pharmacy. And someone like a big pharmaceutical brand would love to sell into sporting goods. And there's multi-billion dollars of opportunity at that intersection. And that's where we tend to play in terms of our partnership approach. When it, what category is new fabrics in? <laughs> it depends on which investor. On you, does it depend on who you ask on what day? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so we cross sort of pharmaceuticals, biotech, apparel, drug delivery. Uh, but I think of us as the intersection of pharmaceuticals and apparel. Yeah. It's, it's that new healthware category between those. Well, I, I'm asking that because I'm I'm looking at my notes and it says that in 2021, you guys raised $10 million in the Series A from 11 different investors. And I know that, um, well, we've, you know, we talk so much on this show about raising capital and, you know, for some categories, it's difficult. And, you know, we just went through this, you know, and by the time this comes out, um, we will have hopefully all moved past the pain and trauma of Silicon Valley Bank's failure and all that other stuff. But I know that like the world of venture capital can be very difficult to navigate for a lot of, a lot of different types. And, you know, over this last realistically 20 years, the enterprise software uh, component has dominated so much of that investment. And I just know that I I say that because I own it. I'm actually the founder and CEO of full scale. And, you know, we were a tech services company and then we were tech enabled services. All of a sudden we have a software platform and everyone wants to invest in us. But before that, no one would even talk to us. Like how, how tricky was that to navigate? Yeah. And I'd love to hear about some of your experience as well. And on the capital raise side, I'm sure you've got some, some more stories. There. Well, I never, I never raised any. Oh, okay. I, I just, we've self-funded everything. And you know, a lot of that's because there is this kind of a, a, this frustration that can come with some of that. Cause you know, much like uh, going, you know, people, uh, business owners always complain about banks because they're like, when I needed a loan, no one would give me one. And when I don't need one, everyone will give me one. Well, it's the same thing with raising capital. And, and don't get me started on Silicon Valley Bank. We did all of our banking there. So that was. Oh, a- I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you got all's, that resolved well yeah. enough. All, all, all's well that ends well there, but not without a, a little bit of heartburn. So I think, I think you're spot on, right? I mean, so we've raised from a wide variety of sources. I grew up on the West Coast. And so that's where we tended to raise most of our capital. So started with early friends and family. We actually got some grant capital out of Department of Defense 
there, there's some interesting military applications here in terms of a let's say a soldier hiking 40 or 50 miles a day doesn't want to carry extra weight or extra medicine and certainly not going to stop in the middle of a battlefield and rub a cream on their foot so yeah. that's a, a pain reliever in a uniform stimulant to keep soldiers awake what, what have you um and, and live the sort of ramen startup diet for a couple of years in college of do whatever you can and then ultimately moved out to the Carolinas to be in the heart of textiles, advanced materials. Most U.S. made garments are, are made here in the Carolinas. And then we were fortunate to find people that really connected with the business more than anything else. Um, I think textiles is another one of those categories where people are like, I'm not investing in textiles. We still make textiles in the U.S. Like that's the comment that that we get, right? And I think we were, we were fortunate that we were able to pivot that a little bit. No, no, we're a biotech company. No, no, we, we, we do drug delivery. And so you have Research Triangle Park, RTP here. Uh, but like you alluded to, North Carolina here is fintech, right? It's banking, it's finance, it's not biotech apparel. People don't know what we're talking about. So not not without its challenges for sure. Yeah. So what were, what were some of the common, I mean, did you hear that? Like we don't do textile companies. Was that just like, I mean, did I find that it's amazing. Nothing will, nothing will expose you to the candor of humans more than pitch meetings. Um, on many days, I don't, I'm not sure what, even, even here in Kansas city where people are known as quote Midwest nice, it's still, it can still be pretty brutal. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's the gamut, right? We don't do textiles. We don't do platform technologies, not enough revenue, burning too much cash. It's, we don't understand the hybrid retail versus partnership model. I mean, I think there's so many use cases yeah. there where we didn't neatly fit into a box, right? It's, I don't know if this should go to my apparel, smart materials guy, or if this should go to my biotech guy. I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's what's going to make us successful is because we're creating this new category, which venture harps on, right? They love new ideas, new new categories, but then they see us and they see other innovative companies. Uh, oh, no, 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 that's a little too far outside of the box, right? We, we don't really know where to put that. I think some of it's unintentional, but every company has a model for evaluating deals. And if they don't know which partner to put it on, it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Well, I, you know, one of the things that that is just a fact, and I've you know, talked to a lot of people about this, you know, a lot of the funds are, they're just charter bound. You know, they raise $25 million and they're, and the people that put that $25 million in are told that these funds will be used to invest in X, Y, or Z, and they just can't get around it. I mean, it's like, and I, I did run into that a few times, you know, people say, Matt, I love you. love your business. This is great. I can't, we can't write a check. We're not allowed to. So okay. what are you going to do? All right. So here you are with something, you know, and that's the thing, anything, anytime you have something new and different, it, there's this adoption period that it goes through. And, um, you know, like I'll, I'll turn the way back machine way, way back to 12, 13 years ago. The first time I ever stepped in an Uber, you know, I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And it, like, there was like this whole adoption process that went through before it kind of came the became the norm. I've even invented a word when it comes to companies that are trying to push this. I, I use the word democation. You need to demonstrate and educate what it is that you've built yeah. along the way. Like how much of that, how much of that and, and like just general, cause I mean, honestly, if I was sitting there going, Oh man, I need to get, you know, you mentioned biofreeze or icy hot or something. I don't ever think, Oh man, there's a sleeve or a shirt or something that would put that in. 
what are you guys doing to overcome that or, or work around it or just make it faster? For sure. And I, and I love that example, right? That Uber example. And one of my favorite books is play bigger, right? About category creation. And I think you, yeah, you get the right. nail on the head, right? Like you didn't know you had a problem with taxis until Uber told you. <laughs> right. But, but, but would you invest in a cab company right now? Cause I wouldn't. No, definitely not. not. Unless I knew that they were hooked into Uber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and I, and I think we have, we have something similar there, right? No one to your point is going to the store looking for drug infused garments because they don't know it exists, right? When they try it, they choose it every time because it's a much better solution, right? If you think about twisting my ankle, I'm going to go to the store. I'm probably going to buy a brace and a tube of pain cream and use the two things in parallel. And that's what the retail buyer at Walmart said, right? Two minutes, he goes, I get it. There's this huge correlation between people buying braces and pain creams. You put the two together, it makes perfect sense. And so initially, right, not having a massive marketing budget, we tried to price this at a price point that would win market share cheaper or the same as that solution. So if you buy our products in the pharmacy, it's the exact same price point as a brace, if not cheaper, plus you get medicine. I mean, our products are $19.99. People think they're usually way more expensive than that. But we intentionally wanted to keep it accessible to the market because once people try it, we think they're going to understand the concept a little more. And then we also try to do outside the box marketing programs, right? We did a minor league baseball partnership called the Hall of Pain, where a player gets hit by a pitch and then they're inducted into the Hall of Pain and we give product to an audience, right? Their knee sleeve got hit or their knee, we'll give them a knee sleeve, right? Or their, their ankle or their neck correlating to all of our different product categories. So I think like a lot of entrepreneurships, just how gorilla can you be outside the box to create awareness is, is really part of the name of the game for us. And we also, as we continue to grow, right, we did a small TV spot. So on connected TV and Hulu and Roku and just educate consumers. But that's really where a lot of what we do goes towards is how do you tell people about what we do? The Hall of Pain would be a good entrepreneur club too. We invented one that we called Tears and Beers, which was completely fictional, but in our heads, we could go there and cry or <laughs> just get drunk or get drunk and cry. And there was, you know, no judgment or shame there because as a, as a CEO and a founder, you get to go through some of that. All right. So you, you guys have been at this for a while. What's been the hardest part of all of this so far? Where, where to start? I yeah. think we, <laughs> so someone told me the other day, they're like, wow, you're, you're an overnight success 10 years in the making. Oh God. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so lucky. I yeah, didn't feel lucky you. when I worked 97 hours last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's this intersection between two different industries that have a lot of compliance issues. I, I use the analogy of a bottle of aspirin. Like if you go to the store and that bottle of aspirin is supposed to have a hundred pills, and shows up at 97, like you got a massive problem, right? The FDA will shut you down in a second. But if you go to the store and you buy a t-shirt and has a little bit of loose white or black thread, nobody cares. And, and it's really that intersection of supply chain manufacturing that we've had to rethink entirely. How do you actually make a garment, put medicine in it and have that compliance all the way through the process? And so all of our products are registered with the FDA. You actually see the drug facts label on the back of them. But traditional textiles is not set up for that. And so we've spent a lot of time here in North Carolina. Actually, I'm, that's where I'm sitting today, right at one of our manufacturers. Um, how do you actually manufacture products and do it consistently? And like, so all of, all of our products have expiration dates. 
and shelf life. And you could actually track it back to which machine it came from, which lot number, all the things you have to do with drugs, but you do not have to do with apparel. And getting that right took took a lot of time and a lot of learning and the category doesn't exist. So a lot of this is, is just learn as you go, which is uh, not not been easy. Yeah, you talk about the expertise needed to do a whole lot of stuff. And with that, I want to remind people that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. There is a link for that in the show notes, as well as a link for new fabrics. Go check it out. You guys got a great site. There's a lot of stuff on there. I noticed you smiling there. You saw what I did with that ad read. And I, I think oh, I love the I love the yeah. plug in the intersection. I was about to go into the the new fabric <laughs> intersection. Next time you get hurt, <laughs> next time you get dressed in the morning, think about what medicine you want in your clothing. Yeah, that's you know that's an interesting thing. I, 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 like I said, this I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert on any of this stuff because I don't have any background other than buying shoes and clothing, which I'm good at that part. Um, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of expertise at this, including like the, the FDA process. And is that something you have to go through as well? Do you have to get approval on everything that administers all of it? And what does that look like if yes? Yeah. So all of our products are registered with the FDA. Our, our head of regulatory actually came out of the prescription drug industry working on hydrocoding tablets. I mean, it's, it's that level of rigor. So all of our drug products uh, are under the monograph for topical analgesia. And as you see, right, similar to BioFreeze or, or Icy Hot, you actually have warning label, drug facts label, NDC code on the back of all the products. Um, so it's, it's definitely been an, an evolution and a learning. And you got to hire that expertise, right? I'm not a regulatory guy. So you got to bring on the right people to, to surround you in order to be able to execute against that. Um, and at the end of the day, right, there's no person out there that's making drug delivery clothing, right? So it's not like there's this neat little box. And so you have to err on the side of caution every time, right? Let's do the most stringent, the most regulated version of, of how we analyze the rules in order to be successful here. You know, we've mentioned a couple of things. You've mentioned the BioFreeze, Icy Hot, or the baseball, like as, as partnerships and that form of like distribution. And I mean, that, that's got to be, I, I'm assuming that's probably a pretty big part of what, what you guys have planned in the future. Oh, for, for sure. That, that's where we're headed, right? We are a platform technology. So like Gore-Tex or, or Intel mm-hmm. inside. So big pharmaceutical companies come to us and they say, hey, we'd like to deliver XYZ Lamisil, right? Or, or Tiger Bomb in a, in a garment. And for them, it's just incremental market share, right? They've already developed the drug. Now, if they can sell it in the brace category of the store or in a Dick's Sporting Goods, it's additional incremental revenue. And so then you have a new fabrics garment powered by XYZ drug, right? And, and on the flip side, you also have the apparel side. So all of apparel is looking for differentiation in the market. Most of these garments are made on very similar knitting machines, right? And they're all looking for different form factors, recovery, sleeve, antifungal, right? What's next? And we can offer that right? as, as a drug delivery system. So we are not taking or inventing new drugs. We're just taking known therapeutic ingredients and delivering them more conveniently through a garment form factor. And that's really, at the end of the day, what our, our value proposition is into the marketplace. And so 
we have some some very interesting partner conversations that that come up all the time. Yeah, that's uh, so. So in that particular case, do you just license what you do, or do you then take their step? Like, do they take over making it, or do you still make it, or? Yeah, it depends on the brand. So we, our secret sauce is we actually make what we call the active yarn. So how do you actually add the ingredient to a yarn? And then that yarn can be knit into whatever garment. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a knitting machine, but it's it's actually super cool. I mean, you, you plug in your USB device, this machine spins around and in two minutes shoots out a pair of socks. And then like pixels on a screen, you can pinpoint where each yarn goes in that garment. And so in the case of our yarn, you might only want pain relief in the ankle or in the toes. And it's only 5% of that given garment. And so our yarn can then be turned into socks, t-shirts, leggings, yoga pants, what have you. Um, and so we can partner with other contract manufacturing partners in the supply chain to make physical products. So in some cases, a partner wants us to hand them a turnkey finished product with their brand on it. In other cases, they want that to flow through their supply chain. And we can certainly do both. Speaking of the supply chain, you know, that's been such a, a, a sticky thing for so many people over the last few years. Is that, did you have to climb over some obstacles with that? I think we've been fortunate in that our entire supply chain is within an hour of where I'm sitting here in North mm-hmm. Carolina. So that's raw materials, manufacturers, expertise. And we've actually won a lot of market share because of that, where a lot of these braces are coming from overseas out sort of through pandemic, through supply chain logistic issues, we weren't having to sit at a port waiting on a container to arrive. And so Walmart, Target, CVS picks up the phone and they call us and we haven't missed a shipment yet because we can drive down the street to our supplier and, and get what we need. Um, and so that we've actually been very fortunate. And it's been one of the things that's allowed us to innovate and pivot and react really quickly because our entire supply chain is, is quite close by. Yeah. You know, for those of you uh, listening that didn't know, I, I spent several years in North Carolina, Wilmington to be exact, which is not particularly close to Charlotte. <laughs> close uh, enough. It's in the same state. <laughs> North Carolina is huge. People don't realize how big that state is, man. It's got, it's got beaches. It's got oceans. It's got mountains. It's got a lot of cotton and tobacco fields. And that's where that textile history comes from. It's, uh, you know, I mentioned the tobacco side of it. And then also you've got, uh, I would imagine it's probably not a bad thing for you because what they, isn't it, they call it the research triangle. Is that it? Yeah, Up in, yeah, that's, that's, that's what you Duke. Yeah. You have Duke, you have UNC and then you have NC state, which is actually yeah. the top textile school in the country. Right. And that's like a little triangle that's, that's it. I mean, those are all within a couple hours of each other. And oh yeah. Within probably half an hour, super close. And so does that, has that played in well to what you guys are doing? Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, there's capital resource, there's employee mm-hmm. know-how resource, there's access to equipment. We do a lot of work with all three of those facilities in terms of testing, validation, new ideas. It's, it's all been very beneficial. Yeah. That's a, you know, it, so here in Kansas City, the one of the things, so we, we've got the Animal Health Corridor, <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, dude, we're in Kansas, man. There's, you know, my, and hey, look, there's cows it, and it. livestock everywhere, but there's a whole lot of it out here. And there's just, yeah, one thing I've, I've learned with this show, because, you know, whether we're doing a, a city's top startups or just kind of general episodes, like this, that, you know, there really is a level of expertise and things that gravitate to different cities. And that, you know, like, so we have a lot of, a lot of agri- ag tech 
Um, there's a lot of here. There's a lot of supply chain stuff because being right in the middle of the country is a good place to distribute things from. So, you know, we run it. You know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff like that. And then there's also a lot of vehicle tech here. And some of that was actually started by my co-hosts on the show, my business partner at Full Scale, because he's the founder of a company called Ben Solutions, which is purchased by Auto Trader and does a lot of. And, you know, all these things spring out. Those things have babies, and it's amazing the culture that comes in. So, you know, for those of you that are thinking about starting a business or launching something or or or, or maybe wondering if you're in the right place for what you're currently doing. There is these pockets of stuff that, that go on there. What else is North Carolina doing? That's I, I know. Yeah, now I know tobacco is not super popular with a lot of people, but that's been a big one in the past. Textiles. You got the the research, furniture, medical stuff. Furniture, yes. Furniture yeah. is, is is huge. And I mean, you think about. I think I just saw North Carolina is always for top two or three most business friendly states and. You get a lot of people that moved here, especially through COVID, good weather, relatively low cost of living, very yeah. strong business climate. So North Carolina is, is growing significantly. Um, and I, I agree with you, right? I'd be curious how you got to, to Kansas City, but they're, they're definitely- I was born, man, that's where I, I'm, just where I'm from, man, yeah. I've lived all over the country and you know got to experience a lot of things. I have 300 employees in the Philippines, so I've definitely got gotten out of uh, the KC, but yeah, there's- yeah, it's interesting what brings people. I, I I moved to North Carolina to get back together with who is now my ex-wife. So there you go. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and the first the first of two wives that I've had named Jill. Wow. Yeah, I've been married twice, both to women named Jill. So that's easy to keep straight. But the, yeah, North there, Carolina there was interesting, and there was a lot of stuff going on and, there. And, so and that's huh. what I, why I came out here is obviously not for Jill. Uh, but came, came, came that, out. Would be, that would be a wild twist of fate <laughs> if you had. I, I came out here because of that ecosystem, right? It's all about textiles and there's no other place really in the country that has that same know-how and skill set. So I didn't have any ties here other than this is where it felt like the right spot to build the business. So relocated myself and the team out here and definitely the right move. No doubt about it. You talk about weird, weird, uh, Interesting thing. So I, I went from North Carolina and I moved to Indianapolis where I spent several years. It's actually where I met the second Jill. Okay. But the house that I lived in, which ended up, I wrote, I wrote a book called Million Dollar Bedroom because we started a business in that extra bedroom of the home. Several years later, I got a LinkedIn message from uh, from a, the lady that moved into that house. And she said, I just put this together, but I've been listening to your podcast for about a year and I get your old mail sometimes. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit, this might be the same guy. So that house that the million dollar bedroom book was about ended up with another lady that had a, she has a startup. She ended That's up being cool. a guest on the show. Yeah. Yeah. They That's did that. Awesome. They I, do, I, it, it's weird the way the world the, but there, there is this like weird gravity effect. I don't know if that had anything to do with what brought her to the house, but it was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, true, true crime startup. It was a platform for internet sleuths and. Hey, yeah. our, our team, I feel like has its own thread on like true crime podcasts and TV shows. So they'd probably get a kick out of that. The true crime. That's the big one, man. People, people deal with that. All right. So, you know, you've had some accolades and congr congratulations on that. I'll shout a few of these out. Um, 
you know, uh, the, the number one fastest growing company in the region, uh, according to the Charlotte Business Journal, uh, Deloitte Fast 500, number two for fastest growing pharmaceuticals, Inc. 5000, number 50 in America. Um, I've been on, I, we got it, we were on Deloitte's Fast Tech and the Inc. 5000, and I can attest to the fact, and, and the Kansas City Business Journals, we weren't number one. Congrats anymore. as well. Well, it's a lot of work. It's yeah, a lot. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned that, that whole, like people, oh, you're like the 10, 10 years with that overnight <laughs> sensation, 10 years in the making. I mean, what's some advice that you could give to people, to just entrepreneurs in general that want to follow in your footsteps or just, you know, like, I think one of the main thing, one of the reasons we've kept this show going for five years and 1100 episodes and, and very, and a lot of gratitude for what is by the time this comes out, probably going to be 5 million downloads. So thank you for paying attention folks. But another I love this. I love, I love the knowledge transfer, you know, and the, and it's weird because there's not a tracking code or an analytic you can attach to that. There's no conversion rate on how often our advice keeps people from doing dumb shit. Right. But I, but people tell me all the time it's been helpful. So like, what's the advice that you'd want to pass on to others? And I think that's exactly right. I mean, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel, right? It's amazing how similar a lot of these businesses are, whether it's in foot care or whether it's in recruiting or software, there's just so much overlap and learning that can happen there. One of the ones I like that's been really meaningful to me is having a personal connection to the business. So, I mean, I started to solve my own skin issue. And so it really didn't feel like work because I was trying to do something for myself. Now, was that the fastest solution? Hell no. Um, but it, it creates that connection where I wake up in the morning and Monday's the favorite time of the week to go check email and see what's going on. And it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm, I'm having fun getting to work with great people and getting to build something. Um, and I think having that personal connection has been really valuable. The, the other thing that I, that I like to think about is sort of the, the world as of startups as an ocean. And you're just sort of bobbing around in the ocean, kind of sometimes you get hit by waves, can't really see what's going on, and it's easy to get underwater. Um, and it's so hard to, once you're underwater, to think about how to get out of that. But it's amazing how one email or one phone call or one LinkedIn message just changes your whole perspective. And so I, I think about it like swimming to the to that next buoy, right? There's a couple different buoys. You swim over here and then suddenly the world looks very different, right? You can maybe see land over there or you can see a ship over there. And it, it's amazing how sort of that one email I wasn't going to send or that one phone call suddenly led to investor dollars who had connections to another investor or it led to this partnership deal or, oh, so-and-so, actually knew a connection to a Walmart buyer. And then suddenly, right, what felt like an insurmountable challenge is a totally different perspective based on one tiny little 30 second action. And so just keep, keeping that in mind for me helps me when sort of times get challenging or, or rough. And, and then I think that the, the third one that I like more of a leadership management style is use a, an airplane analogy. Like you're, you're sitting in a plane and the plane goes through turbulence. What do you want to hear, right? You want to hear the pilot come on and say, guys, everything's under control, just a little turbulence, nothing to worry about. Can the pilot really do anything about turbulence? No, probably not. But just the fact that you know someone is in control and aware of it lets you sort of take a deep breath and, and relax. And I think, I think about leadership a lot like that is the team just wants to know you're there, you're aware of it, 
over communicate, you know, what's going on. Not that you have all the answers because I certainly don't, but the fact that I'm, I'm aware of it and communicating, I think helps drive leadership actions and, and comfort amongst our team. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, man. I think that that's some pretty good insight. Uh, you know, the ocean analogy is, is strong. Um, I've never really used that one before, but it made me, you know, the first thought that came in my mind when you said that is, you know, in life, you have people that sank and you have people that swim. And I tell people a lot, I'm like, I'm a strong fucking swimmer, you know, like, and that, and that's a key thing. Cause the problem is, is like you mentioned that it's easy to get underwater and some people just seem to settle for sinking and, you know, and, and that's if, and I think if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, business owner or leader, you're going to have to learn, you're going to have to learn all of the strokes you got to be, you know, cause you're going to need a backstroke, a breast, all of it. You're going to need all the strokes and there, and keeping your head above water is a challenge on some days. I, I like the airplane analogy too, cause you're right. Like you are kind of powerless up there, but the idea, and I think a good leader, I've had to do that in my own company where you're sometimes like, exactly like the, the, the pilot sounds like, we're going through a little bit of turbulence here. We're going to get past it. It's okay. Please sit down, fasten your seat belts, relax, raise your seats, but you know, do whatever. We're going to discontinue in seat service here for a few minutes, but we'll be back, you know, and, and that, and that, and that, you know, in that ballpark, I mean, there is something to be said about, you know, I did, I had to go through that a few times with the pandemic. So for my company, we're five years old and at 300 employees and, Oh man, that's like, uh, that's almost kind of like trying to build the plane while going through the turbulence oh, sure. <laughs> and, you know, and get it off the ground and land it and assemble a flight crew. And you're like, yeah, but we're already up in the air. Where are we going to find these people? I don't know. Let's create them. So there's, what, I mean, other, there's, yeah. what other nuggets have been helpful to you? You know, I, I, I mean, I, I, people that know me will t talk about madisms, you know, and like, I, I kind of just spit them out randomly. <laughs> I, I mean, I think overall that <clears throat> the key ingredient, so, you know, when we, as we kind of, you know, arrive at the end of this show here, I'll, I kind of got a couple wrap up statements you mentioned. I, so you, you solved a problem that existed in and around your life. And with that, develop some passion for solving that problem. And I think that a key ingredient, so I talk, I'm sure you get this a lot because you've been a successful CEO and founder. So people, hey, I want to run an idea by you. I got, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about doing that. And there's one situation that I will always shoot down. I don't care what the idea is. I don't care how well backed it is. If you're not passionate about it, I tell you not to get into it because 10 years later, you're going to, you would look back and, and look, here's the thing as an entrepreneur, you're going to wake up on some days and you're just not going to want to do it. And self-discipline's described as, um, you know, doing the things that you need to do the most at the times that you want to do them the least and passion washes that away. In, in a lot of cases, like if you're passionate about what you do now, you don't have to own the, you don't have to own the business to be passionate about what you do. That's a big, big part of what we do at full scale. So like when we're, so we, we help people build software development teams, you know, once I'll just get us out of the way. Today's show is brought to you by full There you go. Third check mark. I, I won't get in trouble from the marketing department, but 
But with that, we spend the reason we've been successful and that our, our relationships and our teams stick for people is we're very adamant about matching people up with assignments that let them work with the technology skills or things that they're passionate about. Meaning like you don't you don't take someone and put them in a role that they hate and that they're not excited about and expect high productivity, longevity or stability. Right. And you're not going to, that's not the right way to get results. But if you're pat and now look, some people are, I've had people say to me, they're like, I might not be passionate about this, but I'm passionate about making money. And honestly, that can get yeah. it done too. Yeah. You know, like I, I've said to people like, and this is, this next statement kind of goes both ways, whether you, how, it can be good or bad, but money is a soft pillow. Right. It can, it, you can, it can, you can sleep through a lot of bullshit, including stuff that you self create. You know, people do a lot of dumb shit for money and then sleep well at night with it. And also it can get you through like that. It's okay to have some passion with that. I don't think that's a key driver. I think that um, making money as a byproduct of being good at something. And you started the very beginning of the show by using the word benefit. And you got to remember that that's what people buy. People buy the benefit of your products or your services, not the features. So like, if you understand the benefit in your case, you did, um, that can go a long way. By the way, normally I do a thing. I call it the founders freestyle. Let my guests kind of do what I just did first. I'm going to let you close the show out, Jordan. How about that? Wow. I love it. Yeah. I took, I took your spot. So we're going to reverse it. Cause I, which is very fair. Cause I knew nothing about today's topic. So I've tried, I've tried to swim through that ocean today. Thank you for your patience. And do you want me to close on the the full scale that I I can do the pin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to throw an ad read in, I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fourth pitch. No, I I very much have enjoyed the conversation. I think a, a lot of nuggets here in terms of entrepreneurship and what it's all about. I mean, for for me, it's a lot of perseverance. It's a lot of doing what what matters most. And I think it's how do you at the end of the day create products that help people to to your comment about benefits. I mean, my. My grandpa unfortunately suffered from from Alzheimer's for a number of years and could never remember to take his medications. But interestingly, I mean, he still put on a sock every single morning, and and that's really what gets me up in the morning every single day, right? To try to solve issues. And yes, we're starting with pain, but there are so many other application areas that we can go after because it's truly this platform health or category. And so I'm 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 excited for for the future. And I'll encourage you and the listeners next time they get dressed in the morning to think about what health benefit their clothing is giving them, because that's where we think uh, this intersection of, of healthware and pharmaceuticals is headed. Yeah, man, I appreciate the time. And, you know, one last comment. I think if you know, we talk about back to that passion, I think that so many entrepreneurs have a passion for helping other people. And I see that as a huge driver. I see a lot of people get into the finish line that they envision added around their business or their cause because they like helping other people. That's one of the things at full scale that is, is the most redeeming thing is working with all these other tech companies and entrepreneurs. Cause you know, the problem we solve is there aren't enough software developers in the U S like there's like 300,000 open programmer jobs at any given time. So people need to solve that problem, but it's difficult to go find people worldwide and that trust factor and a lot of that. So help seeing people get what they want and 
you know, and sometimes also being the reasonable voice. Sometimes I got to say, you know, they're like, hey, this isn't, this didn't get built as fast as we hoped. And you're like, it usually doesn't, man, you know, and, you know, but that's, but then, you know, help, helping people through that turbulent time. And, you know, we've gone through a little bit of that in the last five years. That's been an entry. That's a whole, I have to do a whole series on that. Oh, oh, I bet. And, and to that point, right, if I always love talking to fellow entrepreneurs, especially those trying to get into textiles or biotech, if I can be a resource at all. Feel free to connect with me just at Jordan Schindler on, on LinkedIn. And if you want to check out our products, you can find new fabrics at Target, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens and the pharmacy. Yeah, I like it, man. Keep up the good work. I'm going to check back in on you down the road. Look forward to it. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.